Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Relationships Rock. Today, we are talking about money, financial intimacy, and joining us is my amazing cousin, Shauna. Thank you for being here. Thank you again so much for having me. So Shauna was actually the one who came up with the title, Financial Intimacy, and I was obsessed. I was like, oh my gosh, I love this title because I think it talks about everything we're going to discuss, which is when you communicate about money and you're honest about money, it leads to having intimacy. And so I wanted to call it intimacy because intimacy is not just only, as you've seen in this podcast and heard from many guests, it's not only about the physical connection, but there's also an intellectual connection, an emotional connection, and all those All that togetherness is intimacy, when you can be with someone and get to know someone and really feel them for what they are, for what they think, for what they value, for where their hurts are. Um, That creates incredible intimacy and incredible joy and honesty in a relationship that allows you to grow. Yeah, I'm just going to add to that. You know, I think uh, two episodes ago, we spoke about Shomar Nagia, and I actually had a listener reach out to me who is a divorcee. And she said to me, well, you know, dating a second time around, how do you know if you have compatibility with being Shomer, right? How do you know that it's going to be okay, that you're going to have that, that compatibility, which is so important. And what I said to her was, I think intimacy is a form of communication. And I think that if you want to know if you're going to have compatibility, discuss things that are hard. And one of those is money. Discuss money. See how they react to money, you know, see if that's compatible. You'll know right away. <laughs> yeah, no, really. And, and talk about, you know, talk about something that you disagree about. See how they respond, you know, see how you communicate. Because whenever people have issues in the bedroom, they have issues outside the bedroom and they tend to be the same thing. And it often leads to, if someone respects you, appreciates you, and you have an honest communication, that leads to intimacy. And, you know, again, when Shana told me that title, I was like obsessed because money Ashana, you told me is everywhere, right? We could talk about money all the time. It's in every interaction you do a day, there's money, money, money. And at the same time, people are so hesitant to talk about it, right? It's like, if you tell an engaged couple, like, oh, talk about money. It's like, what do you mean you're going to talk about money? Like, that's so private, you know? And it's like, hello, you're marrying this person. You know, there are different ways to manage your financials. And I think we, we will touch upon a few of those things um, today. Yeah. And the goal of this podcast, of this episode, really is to talk about how to communicate about money, the importance of being honest about money, right? Debt, what you're bringing in, what your expectations are, what your budget is. And that is going to lead you to have even more intimacy as well as Shalom Bite, because what people argue about often (laughs) is money and in-laws and intimacy, actually. I actually saw a card like that once when I was in, I think, Walgreens. It said, you know, three things couples argue about, money, in-laws, and intimacy. And when I saw that, my first thought was, what they're really saying is they argue about communication because all of those things are really about communication. So that's really the goal for today. Yeah, and usually when you're not seeing eye to eye on money, there's an underlying thing going on that that has actually nothing to do with money. So if you are, you know, if you're a little bit apprehensive about money and you're freaking out about something and you're incredibly anxious, It might not mean that you're cheap. It might not mean that you need the control. What it might mean is that maybe you experienced some type of insecurity when you were a kid, or that's how you grew up. And, you know, being short on money or not knowing where every penny is going elicits that reaction, that visceral reaction of insecurity. So when you talk about money and you say, hey, this is not about 
me not wanting to give money to X organization or me not wanting to spend Y on this, it actually is bringing up feelings of losing more than what I have, which reminds me of my childhood, reminds me of a family member, of a friend or whatever. So that story right there, that honest exchange creates intimacy. And that's why I really think it's so important to talk about this. Yeah, because talking about money is communicating, right? And literally communication is the most important thing in a marriage. And I think it starts with, I actually heard this once, how the best marriages are really the ones that marry the same social economic level. Like if you look at, you know, like it works better when you both come from the same type of financial home because you have the same expectations. What you have to realize is that whatever you lived in your life, emotional, physical, as well as financial, is going to impact what you think is normal, what you view, what you want, right? So it's so important to, when you're dating someone, to have that conversation of what are your expectations of money? I think that's really what you have to begin. And literally questions to throw out here. What do you expect a family vacation to be like? What were your family vacations? Like, if you don't want to say straight out, it's like, oh, how did your family vacation as a family when you were younger? And they'll tell you, oh, we used to go skiing in the Alps in Switzerland. Okay, that's honestly, I wish I had that childhood. Um, But that tells you like, okay, that's our expectation. And then you say, okay, well, what do you picture? What do you envision spending time as a family like? What did your father buy your mother as a gift before, you know, before Yom Now, if he says to you, no, he never bought anything. Or says, oh, he used to buy her diamonds, right? So again, you just kind of have to have these conversations of big ticket items or big experiences that have money, what was the expectation like? What were your summers so, like? But also, I think not only big things, but I really, you know, as a theme, continuous theme in this podcast, little things. So if you, you know, if you're the, if you're a woman and you like to get your nails done, you want to get gel every two weeks and a pedicure every month and you want to get your eyebrows done and you're going to be covering your hair and you want to get your wig washed and set every six weeks, like everything adds up. Um, and then for the guy, you want to you get your suit dry cleaned and you want to get your shirt dry cleaned. Like all those things add up. So you have to be honest and you have to say, hey, you know, I am used to doing X, Y, Z and on a, a month, it adds up to $300. I'm just throwing out a number here. Um, and, and you think that those $300 don't matter, but that's a lot of money every year. And so it's a little thing. So focus on the big things, the little things. There's no right or wrong answer. I think that if you are approaching this conversation as a couple with the intention of, of imposing your beliefs onto the other person or, or, or coming off as, oh, I'm right, it's not going to work out. You don't create intimacy by forcing your beliefs and thoughts on the other person. And you're missing out on an incredible opportunity to learn from each other and learn from this experience and build something beautiful. And and just just to clarify, we're talking about discussing this when you're dating, right? We're talking about having this conversation when you're dating, not necessarily even when you're engaged, maybe at the point where you're like, okay, we could get engaged. I think it's a good time to talk about money. And you could, you could talk about it hiddenly. Like I said, the questions of like, Oh, what do you envision your, you know, your uh, birthday party? Like, what do you envision your vacation? Or you could say on a date, say, you know what? Let's talk about money, you know? And and say like, how open, how comfortable are you talking about money? And it's not like, um, again, if you're approaching wholeheartedly, it's going to come up. So whether it's now or 
a year from now when you're already married and you're getting all these bills and you don't know what to do with yourself, it's going to come up. Yeah. So and you know what? Shana, people always ask me, like, how do I know I'm ready to get engaged? So I say, well, first of all, show money has to be hard. Right. And then I think you need to be able to talk about money. <laughs> like, I think 100%. that, like, I think you need to be, before you get engaged, you have to be comfortable enough to say, let's talk about money. One of that, so part of that is expectations, right? What's your expectation of expenses, which leads to talk about a budget. So kind of like Shauna said, well, how much do you spend a month on pampering yourself? Which is, by the way, very important to all the guys who are listening here. You want a wife who's happy the way she looks. So definitely that has to be part of the budget, right? And it could be a small part of the budget. You know, you don't have to get a manicure. You could do your nails yourself per se. But the idea of talking about what do you expect? There was a guy who actually, he called my husband because he was dating somebody. He didn't come from a lot of money. He was hardworking. He was an accountant. He made good money, but he didn't come from like wealthy money. And he was dating a girl who was very, very wealthy. And her, the money that she spent a year, like where you don't know where it went, you know, was a hundred thousand dollars a year. Like that was just like her spending budget from her father, right? Like on the credit card, he didn't even account for it. Like that wasn't even like she needed to go shopping. That was just money that was, I'm not going to say money. It was her pocket money. Yeah. Her pocket money was a hundred thousand dollars. It's not just, are you able to give it? Let's say you work really hard and you would be able to just say, you know what, honey, here's a hundred thousand dollars in pocket money. Is that something that you feel comfortable with? Is that something that at the end of the day you would be able to respect and appreciate because that's what she grew up with. That's her expectation. And that's what she wants. And she's being honest with you of like, look, my daddy gives me that, right? That's what I want my husband to give to me. And I'm not saying it's negative. When you grew up in a certain way, that to you is normal. But you as a guy also have to be realistic of, can I provide that? And will I be comfortable giving that? Like, will I be okay working so hard and giving her such a big amount for pocket money? But also, not only does the guy have to think about this, but the, the woman has to also realize that just because this is something that she's used to that's coming from her parents, she is no longer going to be part of her parents' household. They're joining together. So it's not so much what you have been getting in the past is, okay, having had those $100,000 for X amount of years has been wonderful, but now I have to sort of take a deep breath and say, okay, where am I at now? I'm moving, I'm getting married. This is our new situation. And you also have to be realistic. You right. have you you're not part of your 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 move, you're going out of your parents' home, you're getting married, and you're forming your new home with new things are going on, new rules, new expectations, new boundaries, new budgets, a new reality. And that's not your reality anymore. Right. The thing is that when you grow up a certain way right? And that's what you expect. And in this case, the girl was saying, that's my expectation, right? So if that's, so then I'm talking to the guy who's making the decision, right? Of like, can I take that on? You know, you really have to think about not only can you do it, but will you respect that? Will you be, are you going to resent that your whole life? You know, that in, in literally 10 years, you spent a million dollars on pocket money. Will you resent that? And then, and and then speaking to the, and then speaking to the people who come from the high expectation, what I would say is you also have to be realistic that the guy you're marrying is young. He's not your father. He hasn't already built himself up. This is what he's able to give to you. And, and you have to be also honest with yourself. Can I live with that? And, you know, and I have had a girl to say to me, no, I, I can't. Like, I'm not going to live in 
a tiny little house and struggle for 10 years. I don't want that. And if that's something that matters more to you than to marry this person, I think it's okay to walk away. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very challenging conversation, but then again, it's one that should be led with honesty and it's a big reality check. Like, what are your priorities? We're not saying one is bad and one is good. That's not what this conversation is about at all. It's about being realistic and saying, okay, this has been my life for the past five years and I'm going to lead a new life. Mm-hmm. So to anyone here who's not, let's say, in a relationship yet, what I would advise to you is to write down your budget. Like start, you know, if you're not the type that keeps track of how much you spend, start keeping track of that and say, okay, this is how much I'm spending now. This is how much, let's say, my parents spend on certain items. And that way, when you get to have, you know, that conversation, when you are in a relationship, you know, very clearly of, look, these are my expectations. This is my budget. This is what I would like. The other important factor, especially if you're dating young, is debt. A lot of people now, most most people nowadays, if you went to school, young or old, <laughs> yeah, young or old, you know, you you have debt. So, and I, you know, I remember when I had to talk about like how much debt I was in for for school. I came in with a lot of debt. I went to an Ivy League. I unfortunately got rejected from Harvard. I'll, I'll probably never get over that, but I did get into Columbia. <laughs> okay, good. I'll just name name drop that. You know, and I had, you know, Ivy Leagues are very expensive. I had a lot of, a lot of debt. And I remember being like, oh my gosh, how am I going to tell this guy, <laughs> you know, like this is what you're signing up for. But that again is part of the communication, the intimacy, and then discussing like, okay, what's our plan? Like yeah. we're coming in with these expectations. We're coming in with this budget. Let's say you want to live in Lakewood. That's going to cost a certain amount. Let's say you're going to live in Cleveland. That's going to cost a different amount. And then we also have our jobs. This is how much I'm making. This is how much you're making. And then let's put in the debt. And how long are we planning to pay the debt off by, right? Like, are we planning on, uh, I'm paying the debt off in five years, in 20 years? So these are all the things you want to discuss when you're engaged. Yeah. And another thing is that none of these things are set in stone. And, you know, this is, I guess, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, what had occurred to me when we were when I wanted to have this episode, well, when I suggested to Raquel that we have this episode, um, it, you know, I, I really thought about it and I did a lot of research. I read a lot of, I read a lot of different articles and really what I think are the, the five, not most important things, but five important things that should be used to lead these discussions are um, quality, inclusivity, transparency, sustainability, and flexibility. So I think that if you include these five rules, these five headliners, these five, whatever you want to call it, in your conversations and in your plan to move forward as a couple, I think it'll help you um, map out your your life, your, your goals, and it'll help you be successful. So let's start with number one, equality. Oftentimes, it is very probable that one person is making more money than the other person. Could be by a lot, could be by a little. One person is still in school. The other one, the other person is working. One person is working. The other person is staying at home. You know, there are many different types of combinations. But at the end of the day, I believe that regardless of who's making more, who's making less, both parties need to have equal opportunity and equal right to make decisions on how money is spent, where the money is going. The idea of my money, my rules is not going to work here because I really think that if not immediately, definitely over time, that leads to resentment. It leads to potential secrecy. It leads to 
a feeling of desperation even like I'm stuck here. I don't have money. It's, it's her money. It's his money. It, it, it's not going to lead into intimacy. It's not going to breed positivity and, and it's just not going to work. That's my opinion. Raquel. So money is power. You know, the most powerful people in this world have the most money. And I think it's very important when you're starting off your family and, and this union that it's not used as a power tool, right? It's not used as a way to control the other person and to say, I get to make all the decisions because I have the money. At the end of the day, you're making decisions together, right? Even if that means that there's times when you compromise and the other person compromises, but the decision comes as a unit and therefore the power, which is the money, right? The ability, the resource to do all those decisions also has to come together. And I want to make a point here for those that are being supported by their families and for any parents here who are listening. I have seen a lot of shalom bite issues being caused by parents who are the ones who are you know supporting the couple and they feel like they get to make the decisions right so they'll say well i'm paying for the kids school so you have to send to this school and it creates a lot of issues because they kind of view it as like well i'm paying so if i'm paying you know i get to decide what you as a married couple are doing and that's very detrimental because as a couple you have to make your own decisions and i think for any parents here who are listening if you are supporting your children and you're saying, I want to support you in your married life, then you have to give them the money and they're going to spend that as they see fit. If you don't feel comfortable with that, then don't give them money. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I do think that it is okay to maybe provide like, you know, I'm giving you $20,000, but I'm giving you this money because I, 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 this is for school, for the kids to go to school, you know? Right. But, then, but, then, but then you can't say, but this is the school you're sending to. No, if you're giving the money, it's like when you are donating to a shul or you're donating, you can say, oh, this is for Tom Hei Shabbat. This is for Rabbi Discretionary Fund. This is for the Herba Kadisha. You know, you can say where your money, where you would like your money to go, but that's it. Right. So I'll give you a practical example. Let's say usually parents are giving, let's say, rent, right? So they're able to say, you know what? I'm giving you this amount of money for rent, but they can't tell you where to live. They can't tell you, no, you can't move. Now, you might say as a parent, well, I don't want to support a $3,000 rent. That's fine. So you give the amount that you feel comfortable with and the couple will decide, you know, how they use that, right? And they'll still respect that that is for rent. What I'm talking about here is when the person who has the money, whether it is the parents who are supporting or let's say the husband who's making the most money feels like because I'm bringing in the money or the wife, because I'm bringing in the money, I have the power. And to me, that is a red flag. If you start talking about money with somebody and right away they say, well, I want to control everything. They usually won't use the word control, but they'll say, I will manage everything. You don't have to know anything. I will be the one who makes all the decisions. To me, that's a red flag. And that sounds a little bit controlling. I could not agree with you more. Um, You know, like what grandma says, if he takes you only for ice cream and he's very stingy, goodbye. So this is sort of like, uh, uh, a heavier extension, a more explicit extension of that. Yeah. And, and like Shauna said, you know, earlier on, if you're comfortable sharing a bed, you're comfortable sharing a bank account. And I know that there's a lot of ways that couples set up bank accounts, right? Like some people say, okay, one bank account and we both make decisions together. Some people have like they each have their own little pocket money or discretionary fund, you know, but they decide together where the things are going. Yes. But when I have spoken to people where money has been an issue, like in the marriage, right? And I'm talking about, you know, looking back, it often started with 
there being a very clear, no, my money goes into my bank account. Your money goes into your bank account. And there's no visibility on who's making what. And it kind of gets very, you know, I feel like there is something about sharing money and being connected financially that makes you more, that brings you closer. And I think if, and, and listen, to anyone who has done that, I understand that whatever you saw in your parents' home, that was normal to you, right? So if your parents always had separate accounts, you might think, well, that's how my parents did and it worked out for them. And that's fine. Again, no judgment if that's what you want to do. But I personally don't think it's conducive to creating closeness. I think that if you're getting married, you're uniting everything. You're being transparent. You're seeking harmony. You want harmony, which leads into the second topic, which is inclusivity. So you're, regardless of who's making what, or, you know, sometimes one, one half of the couple, one partner is in charge of, you know, making the payments. That doesn't mean it's their money that is being used to make the payment. It's just they're sort of in charge of the action of logging into the account, submit payment. Um, and I think that's fine, but the other person needs to be included or in, and should be included on, hey, you know what I noticed? That last month, the gas bill was way higher. I wonder what's going on. Just keep them in the loop of, of what's going on. Or, hey, I looked at the credit card statement and I'm noticing these charges. Did you did you make a purchase at this vending machine, this gas station, this, this? You This way you can catch fraud. You can catch all these random things that you wouldn't have caught if you're not sharing it with your spouse. So, um, you know, both parties need participate in the decision. And I think this also prevents blaming. If you made a mistake, if something went wrong, if you forgot to pay something, if something is past due, there's it's very easy to assign blame when things are not going right or, or when things just, they didn't work out. And that way, both parties are, are in the know, they're sharing their responsibility. And yeah, you, you want to minimize the areas of conflict where you can, because there's going to be conflict. There's no reason to create more areas of conflict. Yeah. And I also want to add something here, which might sound a little depressing and, you know, I don't want to go to like a negative end, but let's say Shalom, something happens to one of the, of, of the spouses. Oh, the yeah. other spouse needs to know how to pay the bills. They need to know all that information. So how is the other person going to take care of all the financials if they don't have that inclusive inclusivity and if they don't know how to pay the bills? Yeah. Which leads me to the next point, which is transparency. You know, you have the login accounts for your utilities, your credit card, your student loan, um, any and every account that has ever existed that you're a part of. Both parties should have access to them and know where they are, where are the insurance papers, where is the mortgage, where is the um the contract for the lease, where is you know the papers for the car, where everything, every little piece of paper, every little login should be accessible and available to both parties, regardless of whose quote unquote responsibility it is to fulfill the action of payment. Yeah, and that's really a theme that you're going to pick up on here, which is it doesn't matter who's bringing in the money. It doesn't matter who makes the most money or who's making payments, but there should always be visibility, transparency when it comes to money, when it comes to spending, and when it comes to knowing where all that paperwork is, because God forbid there's an emergency, you need to know, right, how to take care of the things. 
so it's so challenging. It's so you feel powerless. You know, you built something together. And now that unfortunately things are not working out, you have no say in anything because your name is not on any deed. You had no idea what was going on. Oh, that's another thing you should know. Um, like when you are buying a house whose name is going to be on the on the deed of the house, no secrets. There's no reason to be secretive. If you're going to have a beautiful marriage, which will come with its own challenges, you should have no secrets because secrets breed hostility. They breed resentment. They breed doubt. And you don't want that. You don't want that in your marriage. You want to be transparent as much as you can. Um, and then the other thing I want to talk about, number four, is sustainability. So in the in beginning of the podcast, we talked about what were your goals. You want to pay off your loans. You want to pay off your credit card debt. And now let's say, you know, let's say that I have, you know, $50,000 worth of loans and I'm working, but I'm living very frugally because I am being, my goal is to be very aggressive in how I am making my loan payments because I need to get rid of them. ASAP, that is my personal goal. But now I'm dating, I'm gonna, I'm getting engaged and we're gonna get married. Is that goal of being as aggressive with my loan payments sustainable? Is that gonna help my marriage? Even though let's say you're merging two incomes, but is that gonna suck the joy out of life? Um, maybe you could still be aggressive, but you could say, okay, listen, this is my priority, um, but I can compromise with, you know, maybe we can't host every week, but maybe once a month, um, let's go out for, for pizza, or maybe like we can go out for a hamburger, you know, maybe we can go to Le Marais and, you know, spend $500 or a tabernacle, which I heard is like a hip happening place in, in New York city, but you gotta be realistic. You can't suck the fun out of life. You're, you're getting married. You're going to be, you know, in your first year of marriage you, and, and hopefully many more to come. You want to enjoy your life. You want to enjoy the fruits of your hard work. Um, be frugal you know, have your goals in mind, you can, you can achieve those goals, but you have to have sustainable because if it's not sustainable, it's going to fail. And you don't want that. You don't want the other person to resent you. You want to be successful in attaining your goals, but maybe you have to slow it down a little bit. Yeah. And this is also for anyone who's starting off in learning, who's starting off, you know, the coal lifestyle where, you know, not everyone gets, you know, not, not everyone's supported by their parents with like a ton of money. People sometimes have a very strict budget, but you're also in your first year of marriage and you should enjoy that, right? And for all the guys here who are listening, before Yom Tov, you should buy your wife something. Now, you don't have to, you know, get her a Cartier, you know, bracelet. I mean, you could, they're gorgeous, <laughs> but but you could just get her something for $100, right? Or even $50 or even just a detail, but, or, or bringing her flowers for Shabbos. You can be in a budget, and you can also, um, I really do believe one of the most important things in Shalom Bait is to give to yourself while you're married, to not forget about loving yourself. You know, that's my, my, my running theme, but I think it's also in marriage. I think that whenever, whenever women who are married reach out and they say, you know, I'm just not happy with him. I say to them, you know, of course, if it's not like something like abuse or something like, you know, major that's happening, focus on the first part of the sentence. I'm not happy. You happen to be married to him, right? But you're not happy. And you have to always be giving to yourself and focusing on yourself. And oftentimes when you, especially as a woman who tends to, once kids come along for sure, just kind of forget by yourself for a little bit, 
if you focus on yourself and give to yourself, that's going to make your marriage stronger. And men have to understand that women do spend more money, but that's also important for their own mental health, for spending time with friends, going out to eat, getting a little jewelry. Women get happy when they buy new things, all within whatever your budget is. But there has to be a sustainable budget where both partners feel like their needs are being met, their wants are being met. And I think that kind of leads to the next point, Shana. Yeah, which is flexibility. Yeah. Oh, flexibility and sustainability, you know, I think they go hand in hand. Um, it's amazing to have goals. It's amazing to want to achieve them and be driven. But you have to be a little flexible. Let's say your rent went up a little bit or school tuition went up. Or right now there was like, a, you didn't expect something medical to come up. And so the budget changes. And so you, you have to be a little flexible. If that means, you know, instead of getting your nails done every two weeks, you get them done once a month. Okay. Um, if it means that, you know, you, you have to lower your spending on certain areas <clears throat> to have that money available for other things, that's okay. Um, you, you have to be flexible. You have to be malleable. There are ebbs and flows. Money comes, money goes. You know, my, my grandma used to say, um, she says, you know, whenever it was a big holiday or Shabbat or something like that, you know, you, you have a lot of garbage and it's garbage, garbage, bags of garbage, bags of garbage out, out, out. And she used to say, I wish money came in as fast as garbage goes out. <laughs> so funny. As much as. So, yeah. you know, and, and, and you can control it. God willing, everyone's going to be successful and have a lot of money and a lot of raha because you can have a lot of money, but maybe the money's going where you don't want it to go. Medical expenses or something like that. But but you, you want to be flexible. You want to be honest. You want to be on the same page. You're on the same team. You And sometimes we view our spouse as the opposite team, unfortunately. And yeah. I know you have got to hold hands. You got to do all these things. Yeah, that's funny because I was, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I was gonna don't say. hold my hand, you know, don't <laughs> hold my hand. <laughs> Just listen. <laughs> um, but you got to be flexible. So, you know, I, I, I really think that if you, if you have equality, inclusivity, transparency, sustainability, and flexibility, and you approach the topic with honesty, and um and you want to be insightful and and real if you if you are genuine about the topic and about your your goal to want to be successful as a couple i think it'll work out and you know based on your own personal experience your family experience um the narrative that you hear from your friends um you can add to to those five cardinal rules and now that i mentioned friends i want to say that just because your friends are doing something or not doing something, it means it's a good fit for you and your spouse. So we don't know how other people are financially. Sometimes people live beyond their means, but it doesn't seem that way, but it is that way. So you just gotta run your race, focus on your family, focus on your spouse, focus on building your own home with your own rules and, and do what works for you. Don't worry about other people. Because then it gets cloudy and it's it's not good. Yeah. Keeping up with the steins. Or actually in the Syrian world, we say keeping up with the dwecks. <laughs> um, and I think that actually leads to flexibility. You know, sometimes 
you look at what other people are, are, are living like, oh, you know, now everyone's going to Dubai. I'm not sure if you have made a trip yet, Chana, but everyone's flying to Dubai, right? Oh, yeah, I like, just came back last week. Yeah, you're like, hey, I also want to go to Dubai, right? And I think that as you're living life, you can go back and say, you know what, the budget is not working. Maybe we're spending too much on this, or maybe we're spending too little on this. And that communication, which you set on early on when you're dating, that's going to lead to you being able to, when things get, you know what, this isn't working, to have that honest communication. I want to just bring it back. Shana made a comment about holding hands. I want to see what she's referring to. So I had a teacher of mine who told me that when she got married, the Masada Kedushan said to them, when you're arguing, if you're able to, allegedly, hold hands. And because that will remind you that, you know, who are you fighting against your other half? And she was, she would say how there were times when she was like so upset and she's like, I don't want to hold your hand, but I'm going to hold it. And she's like, <laughs> they would just hold their hands and they would start laughing. Cause it was like, we're being so silly. Like Ashana said, you know, when you get married, you're a team. And yes, when you get upset with your spouse, you feel like you're on the opposite team, but especially when it comes to money, you know, you are on the same team and you have to stay focused on what is your financial goal? as a couple. And I don't think that when people get married, they discuss this enough. And kind of just to reiterate, if you're thinking about getting engaged, if you're comfortable enough to get engaged, then you're comfortable enough to talk about money. And what you should be speaking about is expectations, what your budget is. That budget means how much money are each of you bringing in? Maybe how much money each of your parents are giving you when you first start off. It's talking about debt. And it's talking about what your goal is you know what, a guy might come in and say, you know, my goal is to own a house in 10 years. Okay, so how are we making that happen? Right? Or, you know, and I think most people don't live like that. Most people don't have goals. Most people say whatever, when we're able to we'll buy a house, but how much money are you putting aside each month for savings? How much money are you putting aside for tuition? How much are you putting aside for, for paying off your debt? All of that has to be discussed when you are dating. Yeah. And, and, and not only that, but I think that a lot of people, they have um, financial responsibilities. For instance, maybe you're helping a family member with something. Maybe you send money overseas. Maybe you, whatever. So I think any of those things, you, you don't really know what, 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 what goes on in the other person's world. So all those expenses need to be brought to the table. And I, I really want to stress that, I mean, I, I shouldn't have to stress this, but you never know. At all times, this is confidential information. At no point should you talk to your friends and say, oh my gosh, we talked about money. You know that his dad makes X amount or he makes this, it's such little money. No, that's not appropriate. And it's not It's not right. So have in mind that when you have this conversation, it's, it's wholehearted. It's, it's intimate, Chana, it's intimate. The same way you don't it's share intimate, intimate details. You don't yes. share about financial intimacy. No. And it's not because money is a secret, because it's not, but because this is an intimate conversation between two individuals who love each other or like each other or respect and respect each other and, and have the goal of building something together. Some things you can share and some things you don't. Not everything has to be shared. Unlike today's world with social media, not everything has to be shared. Some things are private and they become more beautiful when they are kept that way. Yeah. And it also leads to trust, you know, and respect, you know, when you know that you could speak openly about things, especially if, you know, one of the things you have to discuss when you talk about money is how you grew up, right? You have to discuss 
what your financial situation was growing up because that that for you is what's normal that for you is going to be why you respond to certain things with a certain gut reaction you know rabbi dr abraham swirsky talks about emotional sunburns right sometimes people will respond to like a harmless comment like overreacting and you're like whoa why are you doing in that and then they tell you no i have a sunburn on my shoulder you're like oh i'm sorry like i touched you right so same too everyone has sunburns everyone grew up in certain homes you know everyone has something and money is often a sunburn if you grew up with too little that can lead to the extreme of wanting to spend too much or it can lead to the extreme of being extremely frugal so you also have to understand when you talk about money, how you each came from, what your expectations are, and coming to that harmony, to that union. You know, some of you here might be listening and saying, but Raquel, you always say, you know, in dating, you should never as a girl pay for anything. And in dating, the guy takes care of the money. And that's right, because that's in dating. When you're dating, he is courting you. He's trying to woo you, right? The feminine energy is to receive. And I'm not saying that when you get married, you as the woman have to say, oh, 50-50, I pay half the bills, you pay half the bills. Each couple decides. I have friends that the wife pays all the bills, right? Meaning it's the same bank account, but she pays everything. She just, she's a math person. She loves it. I know people who the husband takes care of all the bills, but just because one person is paying everything, you know, or all of, or none of it doesn't mean like Shana said, we have those five cardinal rules of inclusivity, transparency, and so forth. And I can, we kind of mentioned this before how, you know, couples have different setups with bank accounts. I think that if you want to kind of together make a budget for, okay, we each have this, you know, discretionary fund, you know, for each of us, that's on you. You guys have to discuss the exact amount, no problem. But I, you know, and what I have seen and the research I've done and what I have just also my experience speaking to couples and so forth, when there's a union of money, it's more stable, the couple. So if you're starting off getting married, I, I really encourage you to have one bank account, but to discuss when money is being pulled out, who's pulling out the money. I'll give you a very you know, normal example, right? A girl wants to go shopping. So does she just spend the money or does she have to ask permission? Right now she might say, well, I don't have to ask permission. Like, um, you know, I, I also made money. I can also spend. So what I would say there is it's not permission, right? It's, you discuss together, like you say, you know what, honey, for this month, I would love to buy myself some new clothes. Let's look at the budget together and see what we can do, right? You're having a communication of, oh, you know what, this month we could spend 150, but you know what, if you want to wait till next month, maybe then you could, you will be able to spend a little bit more, right? Yeah. That's communication. It's not about asking permission from one side to the other. Can I spend that? No, it's not permission. It is communication. Yeah. And, and, and something else, another tip is let's say that you have <clears throat> like a larger discretionary fund of, of, of joint expenses and you can say, you know what, um, if it's above a um, hundred dollars, just let's check in with each other. You know, if I'm going on Amazon to buy some, something to hold my phone standing up and it's $5, I can just purchase that. But if I'm making a big ticket item, a big ticket purchase, and that what what constitutes a big ticket purchase, that depends on each couple. If you say, okay, our rule is any purchase above $100, that's not a normal purchase, be it no light bulbs for your fancy lamp, or you need to get something repaired, that's not a necessity, like your car, you know, if your mechanic says, I need $600, 
you need to make that happen. But if you're if you're making a purchase that is not a necessity and it's over a certain amount, just check in. You know, and like you said, it's not permission. It's not permission. It's transparency. It's sustainability. It's a conversation. It's intimate. It's information. It's no secrecy. It's it's building bridges. And I and I really do stand by our conversation today. I really Yeah. Do. You know, there's a few quotes I want to share here. Money is either the best or worst area of communication in our marriages. How good is that? Yeah, it's true. And really, the reason why we're having this conversation is because the next quote, the very process of establishing a workable budget can help a hurting marriage simply because of the level of communication and cooperation it takes. Yeah, it's if you're if you're already in a marriage and you haven't discussed any of this, talking about money is like really stressful. It, it, it just, it, there's a lot of cooperation, a lot of communication. So our goal here is to say, have this conversation before you get married. 100%. Because let's say, what's the alternative? Oh, he's amazing. Oh, she's amazing. Let's get engaged. We get married. Surprise, surprise. I owe $350,000 in school loans. And um, the other person has $20,000 in credit card debt. I mean, that seems extreme, but it happens all the time. And now you are also, although the loan of 350000 is not under your name, you are married to the person that owes $350,000, you know, which is crazy. And it's not yeah. going to get smaller because yeah. it builds up and you have expenses. So just be open, go into it with an open mind, an open heart. No one's right. No one's wrong. Everybody comes from different perspectives, different upbringings different um restraints different accessibility um and it's important so to bring it all full circle let's end with some practical pieces of advice if you feel like you're dating someone it's going well you could be engaged to them you see yourself married to them you owe it to yourselves to your future communication to your future intimacy to discuss money Here's how. Number one, begin by talking about what kind of financial home you grew up in. What did your summers look like? How often did you guys go out to eat? What kind of gifts did your parents give to each other or to you? What did your birthday parties look like? Number two, talk about your financial expectations for the future. Are you envisioning a vacation home? Do you want to go to the Swiss Alps? Where do you want to live? All of those questions about what you expect your financial reality to be like are very important. Number three, talk openly about debt and about income. What are you bringing in? Both minus signs and positive signs. Number four, talk about budget. Now, obviously, you're not married yet. You're not talking about grocery lists and stuff like that. But it's more about your budget in terms of what you're already used to spending and you would like to continue to spend, whether there is the debt, how much money you're bringing in, what does your income look like, is there any help from parents or from anywhere else, what's the potential rent in the place that you want to live in, just to have a basic outline that it works. And number five, bank accounts. Are you going to have one bank account? Are you going to have a separate fund for each of you? What is that going to look like? And I do think you should discuss that before the wedding since you're probably going to be getting wedding gift money or any sort of expenses. You want to kind of put it all together and think about what is your financial plan. The goal of marriage is to communicate, to have intimacy, to be close. And communication is really the cornerstone of that. I wish you all hatzlacha. Thank you again, Shana, for joining us. All the best. Talk to you soon.